better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Tuesday episode of the show. Kyle, happy Tuesday to you. Happy Tuesday to you. Happy 2022 opening bell. Ring, ding, 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 ding. I wish Chris had that on the soundboard. Remember when Chris had a soundboard? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. He came in guns blazing and now he's like, look at all these bells and whistles I got. I'm going to record, I'm going to produce your show. And then lo and behold, oh, he's back. Never mind. Hey, Chris, how are you? Welcome back. Hey guys, I, I just went to get soda while you guys started the show. Did you did, did anything bad happen while I was gone? No, not at all. Oh, I figured no. I could leave you alone for like the 60 second intro that you guys do. And then I could come back, but I guess not. No, well, we were just, you know, catching up. No, so, so we end talk since Monday for the show. So uh, we, we mentioned we were ringing the opening bell for 2022 draft discussion effectively. This is like and, us. This is like if the draft network and the three of us were asked to ring the opening bell at the New York Stock Exchange. Like we're up there in the little booth. That's it's about to turn nine yeah. o'clock and we get to. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yep. So you know, we always say it's always draft season. But now, like for us, the draft dudes talk 2022 draft. So it's exciting. Yeah, Joe. At the risk of a tangent. When you said it's like ringing the, the bell at the stock the, exchange. The opening bell at the New York Stock Exchange, yeah. Is I'm waiting any... for Joe to tell me he doesn't know what that is. No, I do. I, I'm there. Okay. Is there, and Kyle, you will know this. Is there anything more awkward than whatever celebrity they ask at the start of a NASCAR race to say, start your engines? Like that is always extremely awkward. <laughs> they never quite deliver that with the right tone and enthusiasm to meet that moment. It's the, the phrase you're looking for is grand marshal. Because that was is that the word thing for okay. Yeah, Tua Tungvalo was the grand marshal oh, man. of last year's race at Miami Homestead. How'd he do? I think he, your synopsis of the struggles of serving as grand marshal <laughs> for any NASCAR race properly summarized. He can't do it. I will say that if you're going to do it, you have to be somebody who's into the sport because then you bring you bring the emphasis that is required. If, if it's not your thing, I just don't think you're going to be able to match the energy level. I've never watched the grand marshal do their thing and thought to myself, you know what? He nailed it or she nailed it. <laughs> it's, it's always like, that was awkward as hell, man. <laughs> was that necessary? Like, is this because right. have you, have you seen somebody awkwardly ring the opening bell at the stock exchange? Yes. Yes. Like the awkward, like the, it's not even like an actual bell anymore. Right. No, they just, they bang the gavel. Yeah. So, and then like, they kind of look up and look around and like, nobody cares because like they're off and running. So I'm a big stock guy. So I watch these things. Oh, well, I guess we're, we're, we're big football guys. So I guess let's talk. Speaking of stocks, let's talk about some quarterback stocks and see oh, where they're at. What a wonderful segue, Chris. All right. So we're going to get into some quarterbacks today here on the podcast and uh, I'll, I'll start us off here. Can I throw the brakes on for just two seconds? I thought this was a, going NASCAR again, breaks. Yeah, sorry. I don't know if you said this while I was gone, but I want to make it very clear that these first couple of episodes that we do, the guys are going to focus on a handful of players, three, maybe four players, depending on the episode. But for this juncture of the scouting process that we are discussing them on the show, each player has been watched by one of the two guys. Okay. I just want it to be clear because I, I can see the tweets now. You didn't talk about this guy. You didn't talk about that guy. 
we'll get yeah. to those players. This is just, there's a process to this. This is the opening bell. This is the beginning of the process. So these three players, either Kyle or Joe has a firsthand account of the player. That's what's driving the conversation for today, tomorrow, and the rest of the week that we do these shows. Yeah. So this isn't the 2022 quarterback prime, but we're just going to talk about some of them. And so let's do Sam Howell quarterback from North Carolina, junior six, one estimate two twenty five estimate. Um, he's been a starter since he walked on the field there at North Carolina as a true freshman has started 25 games in a row entering the 2021 season. And he was not originally committed to North Carolina. He was going to Florida state and then he flipped and folks, let me tell you, young man made a good choice to go to North Carolina because uh, it's just a lot more stable. And Mac Brown has really not only found success on the field, but I think the talent that he's been able to bring in has been really, really impressive. And I think Sam Howell is absolutely one of those players that changed the course of that North Carolina program. And so he is an interesting player. I think, I think he's got the makings of a first round pick and my liner on him, which this to kind of take you inside of our scouting meetings, whenever we present players to the group, we, we usually have some type of elevator pitch to start the conversation. So here's my liner on Sam Howell, junior quarterback, North Carolina. Sam Howell is an accurate quarterback with enough mobility, but plays in an offense that features binary reads and static alignments while his overall package of physical traits is modest. That's what's interesting about Sam Howell because I think he's, this, he's a beneficiary of the scheme. It's not a scheme that translates well to the NFL at all. But what you do see from him is accuracy. And that is so important at the quarterback position, right? Like it's the number one trait right there with decision-making. Can you put the football where you want it to go? And I think whether it's the deep ball, intermediate, short stuff, Sam Howell puts the ball where he wants it. I think he's got enough arm talent. He's got enough twitch in the pocket to elude rushers and extend plays but it's where he puts the football. It's how he's come in and changed this North Carolina program. And when I start to think about the NFL and, and the types of quarterbacks that are coming in and, and able to have success, you know, he's not Mahomes or Josh Allen or, or, or Justin Herbert. He's not that type of physical gifted. He's not that physically gifted, but I think he can come in and be an answer for somebody at quarterback. And I'm anxious to see what he does this year because his offensive line's back but his weapons are not right. He lost Newsom and he lost the Brown and both of those running backs, Carter and Williams. So this is a big year for him to come in and show that him as the variable can keep. But I do think that he's got enough appeal here to be a guy that we're talking about as a first round pick next April. Joe, how do you reconcile the offensive infrastructure that he plays in and thinking about how you're going to translate from the collegiate level playing in Phil Longo's offense to going to an NFL system in which you're probably going to be asked to do a lot more in both the pre-snap and the post-snap. So how, I mean, is this somebody that ideally you would get into a situation where he doesn't have to play right away? Is that, is that realistic expectations be based on where you expect his draft stock to be because the life doesn't really work for quarterbacks like that. Like, I just think there's some hard questions and I'm looking forward to, you know, we're, we're getting ready to do like a little mini pseudo 
cross check uh, for the top of the nation over the course of the next month for our scouting team. And I'll get a chance to watch it myself, but uh, I will defer to you on your thoughts on that at this current time, because you've done the study of Sam and, and you've kind of assessed uh, what his strengths and weaknesses are. So where do you kind of stand on those dynamics being at play for his evaluation? It's a major concern. There, there's no question about it. Offense is static binary reads, right? I mean, there's an RPO tag on a high, high percentage of these plays and what he's going to be asked to do in the NFL compared to what Phil Longo has him doing in North Carolina is going to be very, very, very different. And that's something that should give us a lot of pause. I do think about offenses and the one that stands out to me in a big, big way, man, maybe even two that stand out to me in a big way, Washington and Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, more like what we saw last year from it under Ben with his, you know, him kind of having to evolve his style of play, get the ball out quick, mixed in with some deep shots. But so you have that, which I think can work for him. And then Washington under Scott Turner, where there's a lot of schemed throws that help him. And so I think you're going to have to understand that. So if you want him to play right away, you're not, you're not asking him to come in and run Earhart Perkins or something like that, right? This is very much a guy that's going to take some time to grow in the system. But I think that could be a benefit to Sam Howell because maybe he won't be a top three selection and going to a team that is just a dumpster fire or he can go into a situation where it's more stable. The pressure to play isn't right away and you can take the time necessary for him to acclimate himself. But understanding that you have a quarterback with really good accuracy and a type of pocket twitch that you're looking for in today's NFL. So what I have seen, and obviously we watched the wide receivers throughout the course of the process and Javante Williams and Michael Carter. And like <laughs> we saw plenty in North Carolina yeah. last year. Um, the name for Sam that had kind of come to my mind was Baker Mayfield. As far mm-hmm. as just kind of the build, the arm talent, the really high level flashes of pushing the ball down the field and having success doing that and having really good ball. Some of those targets to Diami Brown down the field last year and the placement of those throws were tremendous. Uh, so I think that's maybe, I think DJ made that same yeah. comp, they, right? They look the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's kind of the pathway. And, and I think that's a realistic expectation for, from a physical skill set what you can get with Sam Howe. So that that's my pseudo contribution to a conversation that <laughs> all of my impressions were based on a guy when I was watching his teammates throughout the course of March and April, but uh, nevertheless uh, excited to see Joe, as you mentioned with the entire offensive lineback, really good chance for him to uh, leave no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit 
when you use our promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So I'm going to give everybody a little different flavor as far as presentation of Malik Willis, quarterback from Liberty. Uh, Joe, I'm going to give this effectively as though I were in the scouting meeting. Uh, but instead of a liner, you ever get done writing a, a write-up and you're like, man, I was, I was locked in on that one. Yes. I got everything from a X's and O perspective, a projection perspective, a traits perspective, an operations perspective. Like I just, I felt like I just crushed that one. That's how I felt about writing this Malik Willis write-up. Uh, and, and part of that is a testament to how fun he was to watch. So I'm going to kind of just give everybody a taste of how we present players uh, in the scouting meeting, with the exception being when we get to the player synopsis, I'm going to go a little bit more deep dive. Malik Willis is a uh, redshirt senior quarterback uh, for the Liberty Flames program. His estimated height is 6'1". Estimated weight is 215. I would estimate he runs a 4-4 flat in the 40-yard dash. He's definitely got the Jets. A little bit of background on Willis. He transferred from the Auburn Tigers program. He got, I'm going to use air quotes here, beat out by Bo Nix for the quarterback job at Auburn. Uh, sat out the 2019 college football season as a result while tra- transferring to Liberty. Uh, his uncle, James Anderson, was an 11-year NFL veteran at the linebacker position. Uh, he was awarded with the 2020 Dudley Award, honor from the Richmond Times-Dispatch to recognize the best college football player from the state of Virginia. Uh, some tendencies about Hugh Freeze and his offense, which Malik Willis serves as the trigger man to, uh, a lot of tempo. More tempo than you could possibly imagine is physically possible on a football field is what they run with. They run a ton of tempo. They're, they're getting a chunk play. They're either, uh, Joe, you won't get this reference. Chris, you ever see space balls? Sorry. I'm also not going to get Joe. You ever see space balls? No, you haven't even seen star Wars. So it's a spoofing star Wars is what it is. So I would never expect there's different speeds of like, it's light speed. Oh, it's, they have like light speed, ludicrous speed, all these different kinds of speed and all those different kinds of speeds that, that just like break past the speed of light effectively or the, the tempo in which the Liberty offense runs. There's a lot of zone read. They spread the field, very high amount of RPO volume, as you would expect for a quarterback who has that level of stretch uh, with speed horizontally to get to the boundary if needed. A projected role, second year starting quarterback for Liberty. Uh, Willis is an electric thrower and athlete at the quarterback position. The raw athletic tools are prominent and easy to identify, allowing Willis to play off script and create chunk plays or use his quick twitch ability in the pocket as a get out of jail free card against busted assignments and pass protection. His speed to the perimeter and zone read and option looks puts hash defenders in the ultimate bind and prompts a lot of push to the line of scrimmage. Liberty has done well to accentuate that and rip slant routes into first and second windows off the ear hole of such defenders in conflict. Willis has big playability and mentality and has plenty of arm strength and if to effectively and aggressively push the ball down the field, including on back shoulder throws to the field that offer a lot of velocity and zip. 
Liberty's offense affords Willis ample communication opportunities at the line of scrimmage, and the unit's tempo is persistent after chunk plays to serve as drive starters, giving Willis the controls to an offense that needs a quick processing mind at the helm. Willis found free access in the secondary with consistency in 2020, even when working out of tempo. When asked to play on the move, Willis offers good accuracy rolling to his right. The Flames moved the pocket with frequency in 2020 and allowed Willis to change his launch point and help negate opposing rushers and counteract some of the byproducts of an offense that featured a lot of RPOs and compromised pass protections. He was highly productive and should have finished the year with an even better stat sheet had he not been subjected to a notable number of drops from his targets. I'm a call timeout. That's the pros. Joe, your thoughts. Well, I mean, he, he's a player that we've obviously discussed, but I haven't seen. And, and so the, the picture that you paint is so interesting to me because it's like, it, 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 it sends my mind into a lot of different places. Like, okay, is this the type of player that was stylistically a lot like what we saw from Lamar Jackson at Louisville? Is he a type of guy that you feel a scheme transcended in the NFL that can run anything that you want? I mean, do you have, how much do you have to tailor to his skill set? Uh, you know, he's what, what do you want to see this year? That's going to say, okay, this is definitely a guy that I think can be the face of an NFL franchise. You know, mm-hmm. those are the types of things that come to my mind as you've kind of talked about a skill set. So before I get into the cons of him as a player, I have an interesting, and I don't know that I've necessarily talked to you about this, but, uh, one of the things that I do in addition to my responsibilities for TDN is I'm the managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire. And as such, you're responsible for writing multiple pieces on a daily basis all year round, which creates some challenges from a content perspective when you're in June, right? So I went over to Sharp Football. Uh, Warren Sharp, his his database website. Have you ever been over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, some of the filters and data tracking that he has is phenomenal. So I was looking at the Dolphins specifically, and I promise this is not going to be a Dolphins conversation. This is just using that as the launch point for my greater piece on Malik Willis. Looking at when Tua Tagovailoa was in at quarterback versus when Ryan Fitzpatrick was in at quarterback, what were some of the structural differences within the offense? And the Dolphins ran out of shotgun 85% of the time when Tua Tungvaloa was the starting quarterback. That was uh, the fourth highest figure in the league over that sample size of games. Uh, and all of the top five scoring offenses ran shotgun less than 50% of the time, which I thought was an interesting nugget, right? So the teams that were more than Miami were Baltimore, Arizona, and Pittsburgh in addition to the Miami Dolphins. So there were four teams that were the most frequently went to a tongue of the starting quarterback in the shotgun. Two of those teams ran the ball really, really well. Can you guess which two they were? Can you remind me of the names? Baltimore, Arizona, Pittsburgh, and Miami. I would say, I would say Baltimore for sure. Baltimore is number one league in rushing last year. I don't feel like either one of the other three were that effective running the football. So uh, Pittsburgh was dead last in the league in rushing last year. They had 1,300 yards on the season rushing the football last year. <laughs> yeah. Thank God you got that running back in the first round. Yep. And Miami was middle of the Arizona 
had good numbers because of Kyler. So that's the point with Malik Willis that I want to bring here is a lot of times because Miami ran a ton of shotgun because they wanted Tua Tagovailoa and RPO concepts, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the threat of athleticism and both Lamar and Kyler are four, three guys at the quarterback position. And I think Malik Willis is a four, four flat guy. And that's a conservative guess for how fast he runs. If you don't have that kind of speed at the quarterback position and you want to run a high RPO offense, your protections are compromised. And that in turn, if you don't have an athlete back there really puts your offense in a tough spot and, you saw that with the Miami Dolphins with Tua and, and not being the athlete that can get the horizontal stretch of the defense where we can pick up and account for the extra body that's in the box that's trying to account for the run game between the tackles or if we're going to try and bring that safety down and take away that, that throwing window on the hash, now we're outgapped. You get the gap back when you have a guy who runs four, three at the quarterback position who can pull the ball out, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't have to block the MN on line of scrimmage anymore. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to try and go do a bunch of passing of the football and teams are going to roll the safety down and dictate to you to pass the football, because if you get too high, you're automatically going to get the ball. But if you have a one high safety up there and they roll that safety down, your pre-snap is process is typically going to tell you to pull the ball and throw the ball. So now you're, not block your blocking run. The defense is dictating to you to pass the ball and your protections are compromised unless you have that level of an athlete. So when you sit here and you ask me about Malik Willis, well, is he a guy who's got translatable skill set? Is he a guy who's got universal skill set? I think what's important for Malik, and this is the big difference for Malik than Sam Howe. I look at what Malik Willis does at Liberty. And I think his athletic skill set is going to allow him and his NFL offense to embrace a lot of those same dynamics and not have to ask him to do things differently because now you're compromising your protections and your quarterback by asking him to hold the ball and do RPO when he doesn't have the athleticism to win in that structure. Does that make sense? I know that was like a really long-winded way to get to that point, but it's as I've been trying to kind of add more tools to my understanding of offensive infrastructure this offseason, I thought that was a really good illustration of like RPOs are all fine and dandy and the idea of just putting a guy in conflict and making him wrong, like that's all great. But a lot of times defenses are going to combat that with what they give you in the pre-snap to dictate what you're going to do with the football. And you saw teams like Miami who tried to do a ton of RPO last year because it's what Tua was most comfortable with. And they were in a bad spot with it because he didn't have that X factor trait. And I think Malik Willis does. Absolutely helps, right? Traits gives you traits, give you options. Options are good in football. I like it. I like the way you got there. So uh, let me just finish with some of my where to build upon for Willis. And then we can move on because I know we're, we're trying to stay on schedule here. Uh, Willis's eye for the big play is both his best friend and worst enemy. The Liberty offense was subjected to some negative plays that were easily avoidable last season. 
Willis will need to further embrace the value of short gains and throwaways as compared to holding the football too long and allowing opposing rushers to close in around his position. It's a tightrope act, one that a lot of highly athletic quarterbacks must walk, but Willis, who is a starting quarterback for the first time in 2020 since his senior year of high school, will need more balance to avoid flying too close to the sun. Willis's footwork and movement in the pocket can be erratic at times, and he'd be better served with more calculated adjustments to his lower half to keep his feet in the ground when throwing stationary if he's forced off his spot. There are some lapses in judgment on account of aggressiveness to fit tight spots with the football. Willis doesn't meet a throw, didn't meet a throw last year that he didn't have the confidence to try at least once. Granted, he does have the big-time arm to make it work, so he slotted a healthy amount of those high-risk risk throws successfully. The more pressing need is the irregularities with touch as a passer. Too many of his throws are unnecessarily hot and eat up his receivers in short spaces. Changing the tempo and pace on throws in the short and intermediate areas of the field will help boost his completion percentage. Willis had good control of his offense for a first-year quarterback, but there were some edge and second-level blitzes that appeared to catch him by surprise on at least one occasion. Top-flight talent is present for Wills to be a high-level quarterback, but as a one-year starter, there's plenty of refinement needed to eliminate unforced errors and prompt a more consistent product. What if he's the same player he was last year, this year? Is that a first-round pick? Right now, I have him as a uh, one-two. Mm-hmm. I think his traits you know, put on, and people ask, oh, that's fine. He did it at Liberty. Watch Virginia Tech. He's He's got the athletic ability to make you wrong even when you're right. Yeah. And a lot of times that's the rare quality that serves as the trump card. And that's the big question for a lot of these guys. Okay, like where's where does he win? What is his trump card? Where's he going to hang his hat at the next level? And I think Malik Willis has enough of that that I would be willing to say somebody is going to bet on the traits, especially with the trends that we're seeing at the quarterback position over the last five years or so as far as a willingness to embrace non six foot five pocket passers. Uh, he's got everything you could possibly need to work with and he'll make you wrong even when he's wrong initially. So yes, I would say I'd be willing to bet he does get that kind of buzz. Need to tell you guys about built bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. So many amazing flavors. They're all delicious. Kyle, I just got a box of the cookies and cream. And it was a good reminder of how good that one is because I've been on this raspberry coconut almond kick brought back in the cookies and creams. And it was not a decision that I regret. So if you want to try these things, just know they're good for you. They're low in calorie, low sugar. They're high in protein, high in fiber, and perfect for anyone who is on the keto diet. You got to try them. Go to builtbar.com and use our promo code locked 15, and it'll get you 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So the last quarterback that we want to get into today is Desmond Ritter, quarterback from Cincinnati, a senior, six foot four, 215 pounds. And um, he's been their starting quarterback for the last three seasons. He's going to be a four-year starter, assuming everything goes well this year. And I'm interested in talking about him because Shuby definitely gave us the illusion that he likes Desmond Ritter. And before we talk about a skill set, I'll say that Ritter is a player, obviously, I studied last summer and kept up with all throughout 2020. And then I went back and evaluated his 2020 tape again. So I've seen a lot of Desmond Ritter. And I really like him as a player, but he's also one of those guys that I've even said to Kyle, it's like, hey, man, 
keep me grounded on Ritter because right. they, he's got some problems. You know, like he's, there's a lot to like, but there's some issues here that a lot of quarterbacks don't typically improve. Right. So I just try to be mindful of that with him. Um, so obviously the Cincinnati Bearcats program has been really good and Desmond Ritter has been a, a reason why. And so I'll give you my liner and then we'll kind of expand on some of those thoughts. Uh, Desmond Ritter has a live arm, plenty of athleticism and outstanding running skills, but inconsistency stems from issues with ball placement that are rooted in alignment and struggling to hit throws when his desired sequencing uh, cannot be achieved. So you see this player, right? He's got good size. He's got a live arm, right? There's not a throw that you're concerned he can't make. He's really good as a runner. I mean, like very, very talented running the football. He reminds me a lot of Josh Allen as a runner. He's physical. He's tough, right? Like you watch the peach bowl against Georgia and it wasn't a fair fright, a fair fight up front. Georgia just had too much for them with the defensive line against Cincinnati's offensive line, especially when James Hudson got ejected from the game. And so I think he got sacked eight times in the game, but he just kept battling. Right. And if, if James Weld, his tight end doesn't run the wrong route, they probably win the peach bowl. I mean, and that was a testament to him being so tough. Like that's something you watch on Desmond Ritter's tape and it shines. And I know that I'm like harping on something that maybe people are saying, oh, it's tough. Like, no, that matters, right? Like being tough and being the leader of your football team as a quarterback and being able to take hits and get up and, you know, not wuss out when you have a chance to lower your shoulder and get an extra yard to get a first down. Like he gives you that. And so I really love those qualities about him. And there are some really exciting moments on tape where you see good accuracy. But my, con- my concern is that when he can't get the sequencing to throw the football that he wants, the accuracy is all over the place. And I think in today's NFL, you have to be able to hit throws, be accurate with the football, have enough general accuracy with the football. That you can, that, you, that because your sequencing can't be there, you can still get it off, right? Like you can't, you're not always going to get your feet set. You're not always going to get your shoulders and hips aligned. It's not always going to be there for you. But in those moments, like, do you have a chance? And I, I worry about Ritter when he can't get himself set, his platform the way he wants it. And for a guy that is so athletic and has good size and toughness, I need that, right? Like you, you can't ruin your best qualities because you need, you need things to be comfortable around you. You know what I mean? He's like an enigma of a, of a prospect in my mind. So I think when I think about like, all right, trajectory arc quarterbacks, I think he's somewhere between, and this might not sound flattering. I think he's somewhere between drew lock and Kellen Mock. That type of quarterback where, Drew Locke had fans, Kellen Mond had fans, but I think everywhere, everyone in the back of our minds kind of knew, you know, I'm not sure that this is ever going to be a real absolute starting quarterback in the NFL. I feel like I just rambled a lot, and I hope that made sense. He's a polarizing 0% chance you rambled more than I rambled from Malik Willis, so you're good. <laughs> you had structure to your ramble, though, so... I mean, Chris, you like the player. I, I like the player, too. There's a part of me that says, man... I think if he can get that sequencing together and, and make strides. And I, I, I hate to bring this name up. I really do because this is so unfair, but if he can like do what Josh Allen did, you know, he's going to be 
he's going to be a really, really good quarterback. That's a ridiculous expectation. That was the thing about Josh is you never said to yourself, you, you thought to yourself, this guy's got problems, and I don't think most people ever overcome them. Well, I'm not going to assume that Desmond Ritter can, but certainly there's a path to point to. It's a lot to ask, but I think he has that type of makeup. Maybe not quite as much arm talent as Josh, but or size. So there's ultimate. Anytime you have that level of conflict with a prospect, I think it puts you in a tricky spot, right? It's like you you can extrapolate things and you can see where there's redeeming qualities. Uh, but that to me sounds, and again, I have not done Desmond Ritter's watch yet. I will probably try to prioritize him when we do our soft cross check uh, the next month. But he sounds like a middle round prospect just because if you, unless he's able to flip that switch this year and get comfortable with the chaos, that's a big missing thing. Like that, that's not something you see a lot of guys who have like, yeah, if you get everything perfect all the way around him, then it'll be just fine. Like, well, it's not like it, it, you'd be lucky if half your snaps, everything goes according to plan at the pro level. Right. So like on any given week. So I guess that's the ultimate test for him. And I know he was somebody who was perceived to be possibly declaring and coming out for 2021 and, Sounds like, Joe, in your opinion, you made a good decision to come back and try and change the narrative a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I'm reading my report on him, and I swear my cons, they sound exactly like what I wrote about Josh Allen. And I didn't even mean for this to be the case, but I, I would say that Ritter probably had better. I'm not saying that. He's got, he's got a lot to work with. Can he find consistency this year? I don't know. You talk about he sounds like a middle-round quarterback. We know that middle-round quarterback sounds like a middle-round quarterback. They typically get pushed up, right? Jalen Hurts can be the 50th pick in the draft. I think Desmond Ritter can be kind of in that range as well. Um, and that's why I kind of thought my range of possibilities draft-wise was was Drew Locke right. to, to Kellen Mond, which I think is a pretty fair range. I don't know that a team's going to say, this is a player I'm going to pick in the first round. It only takes one, right? It could happen at the end of the first round. But, I mean, if he's exactly the same this year, um, I'd have a hard time making him a first-round pick. Well, we talk quarterbacks today. We have cornerbacks tomorrow on the show. Make sure you do not miss it. Hit subscribe. Kyle Krabs, Joe and Chris Schubert. Thanks, as always, for checking out the Draft Dudes podcast. Have a great day. We'll talk to you all again tomorrow.